0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Woo! Who's ready for the weekend? This guy right here is. As you see, we are keeping up with our Friday shows for now. Some news. Thanks to your votes and our amazing guests, we have not only been nominated, but now we're in the finals of two of the three categories of the Veteran Podcast Awards. So if you want to get on Facebook Live with a broken jar head, on the 5th at 7 p.m. Central Time, you can see the Veteran Podcast Awards presentations. Thank you for your support. This week, I have another veteran entrepreneur or vetrepreneur on here. Our guest this week comes from the 1st Brigade Combat Team 101st Airborne Division Air Assault, Bastone. He deployed and supported the global war on terrorism to beautiful Baji, Iraq. He then took the leap and left the military and started his own path going to college and then starting his own job after trying to climb the corporate ladder. He is the epitome of grit and drive. So without further ado, let's get Kevin Barnes on here. All right, let's welcome to the show Kevin Barnes, veteran and now a background investigator. How you doing, Kevin? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. It's great that we were able to link in together VR, shared shared uh, journey through the Bastogne Brigade. So if you, if you don't mind, just try to give us a little background of you from as far back as you want to how you guys are now.
1: Yeah, so I have a pretty unique, uh, I'll keep it short, but I have a unique uh, upbringing. So came from very humble beginnings, um, you know, came from a family of pretty much, you know, my mom and dad um, were pretty bad on drugs and literally left one day. Uh, Well, my mom divorced my dad, so uh, he wasn't there, but my mom literally left one day and just literally came back. So um, I actually uh, grew up in like the foster care system, grew up in a boys' home, um, and then uh, left there, uh, did a year of college after I graduated high school, uh, partied a little too much uh, my freshman year. Obviously, I grew up in a boys' home, so I didn't really have the freedom a lot of people had in like high school and stuff because I was a little bit more locked down, but then did a year of college and realized that, I, you know, I was 45 minutes away from the University of Georgia. I had some friends there, a big UGA fan. So I was there almost every weekend. And then uh, pretty much from there, uh, that's when I decided um, that I wanted to give a mil- the military a try. You know, I was always kind of – I have a military family. And uh, some of my uncles and grandfathers were in the military. And then um, – I'd always wanted or had a thought in my mind of joining, but, you know, I was at a kind of crossroads after that kind of first year of college. And then that's when I joined and did, uh, you know, did the military thing, you know, 101st Airborne, Bastone, uh deployed to Iraq in 07-08 uh, during that last uh, 15-month surge uh, push. And then, so, yeah, that's pretty much brings me to my uh, career. And then pretty much from there, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, I kind of started doing security work while I was finishing my degree, got a business degree. And then uh, while I was doing some private security work, um, kind of married them both, uh, got into business, started running some businesses, and then uh, kind of brought me to kind of my PI um, investigation, background screening um, investigations that I do today. So uh, in a nutshell, uh, that was the short version. So that's kind of where uh, what brought me to where I am today.
0: That's a pretty good journey and uh, being able to get through that that uh, survivor mindset, I guess, to get through out of out of the foster care system. And then, of course, like you said, uh, going a little wild that first year in, into the college world. That I think that happens to a lot of people that either don't have uh, an upbringing where they're allowed to go out and have a good time or like yourself who was kind of trapped into that foster care system where you're trying to do what's right to keep and maintain the a sense of uh, stability as you're growing up but you made it out and of course you got to serve with bastone after after a little year of partying there uh who were you with a uh, first or second uh battalion
1: yeah so i was with first battalion uh 426 echo company okay all right i, was with all with well, I mean company three i was with, i was with 327 but you know with i was with the uh the 426 attachment
0: okay yeah they used to be right behind us when i was there I was there in the '90s, and then I came back to Fort Campbell years later, and wound up in Strike for my Afghanistan tours. So, so I understand not, yeah. the, the pain.
1: Yeah, I haven't been back. I, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of brothers and stuff. You know, I, I got some brothers that you know kind of stayed in the area and uh, do some things. And I always, you know, keep saying I'm gonna I'm gonna make it back, but i, I I've, I've not been back since I left. So I'll have to make it back up there someday.
0: Yeah, well, a lot has changed. A lot's still the same, of course. Of course, 1st Brigade still is sitting in the same exact spot they were in even when I was there in the 90s. And then, of course, when you were there, and now they're still just a little more spread out in the same block. So not a lot has changed for them. Yeah, Uh, I I heard
1: that – I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: I still work right on on Fort Campbell. I I train soldiers every day.
1: Oh, okay. So I heard recently – I'm not a – I'm a part of the uh the, the association on Facebook and stuff, but I heard that did they did they dissolve the Rakasans, and are they now a part of Currahee? Is that uh the thing or did something like that happen? I, I heard something like that.
0: Uh, vice versa. They dissolved the Kurhi and spread out their battalions through all the other brigades.
1: Gotcha. That's what I saw. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I mean I haven't been up there so I'd like to i like to go back. I'm sure Fort Campbell is one of those bases that is so big that it's you know even when I was there, you know they're always it's almost like, you know, I live in Birmingham now, so the the joke in Birmingham is they do like 10 year uh, road work, and I remember kind of Fort Campbell's kind of like that. Like there's always something going on. So I imagine that it's grown and it's uh, it was already big before, but I imagine it's grown a lot more.
0: There's a lot more uh, newer buildings, I guess, now. A lot of the World War II buildings are finally gone. They're still tearing some down now and trying to get the quality of life better for for Joe and Josephine in the barracks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, some of them barracks are pretty raunchy, and Joe and Josephine are pretty raunchy, too, so you got to either get rid of them or make a better house.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I did the barracks living for a little bit when I first got there and uh, I tell you what, I don't know if it was for me just living in a boy's home, you know, living in like a shared community uh, you know, you know, we all do it in training, but training, then when you get to your you know, duty station, it's different, right? Cause you have more freedoms and everything. So it's almost like you have your, you want your own space and then doing that in the barracks I mean, I, I get the parties for the young guys and stuff, but, man, I, I moved out. Uh, as soon as I got back from deployment, I think I, I moved over to the – yeah, it was like the Oak Grove area. And uh, I couldn't see myself going back. So, man, th- those barracks, yeah, some of them are raunchy, and there's some raunchy stuff going on at them. Yes, some bad movies are made in there, and I, I wouldn't <laughs> oh, suggest yeah. staying in there often. <laughs> no, not at all.
0: So uh, what made you want to become a background investigator –
1: yeah, you know, the, the funny story that I always tell, you know, I have interns that work for me and, um, you know, I get interns from the University of Alabama, Birmingham, which is in uh, downtown Birmingham, and they have a criminal justice program. I started doing an internship um, at our company um, and these guys are criminal justice majors and, you know, a lot of times criminal justice majors, they want to go be, you know, a cop or corrections. You know, some forensics investigations, you know, I didn't I didn't have that dream. I, I didn't want to be a police officer growing up. And the funny thing that I always tell them when I introduce kind of them into the internship, I said, you know what? Nobody um, raises their hand in the fifth grade and says, I want to be a background investigator when I grow up. Nobody does. It's, it's not in the wheelhouse. Um, so it's so unique that everybody in our industry has a really unique background. And like I said, I have a business background um and i was a human resource manager um you know I, when i uh, left active duty i reclassed my job and became a, a human resource specialist in the reserves um, and i was with the uh for uh 290th infantry brigade uh in out of nashville uh in their s1 and that's when i really started having the idea of wanting to do something um and then like i said before when i when i kind of went to the security field um, you know, I really kind of wanted to find a way to, to, you know, you understand and all the brothers and sisters out there, they understand once you have that lifestyle of a military lifestyle, it never leaves you. The, the mindset never leaves you. The work ethic never leaves you. And sometimes you you kind of do miss a little bit of the the tactical doing things. Um, and so that's kind of how I found the background screen in the industry was from security over into kind of doing investigative type work. Um, the company that I was working for, uh, being our security, um, private security, uh, region manager in Tennessee, we owned a subsidiary company, which is now, which is, uh, Investigations Corporation of America. And, uh, because of my background, my business background, we were looking to grow that. It was a smaller company. And so our CEO had approached me and said, you know, Hey, you know, I, I know you don't really have a background in this but you have a military background and, uh, he's, a, he's a ranger, by the way, that was with the hundred and first, uh, <laughs> so he, uh, I think that's maybe why he tagged me. He was like, Hey, you know, Hey, you know, you have a business background. We really want to grow this small company. Um, I just need you to grow the company do some business development. And so that's kind of how I got pushed into it. And then from there, I learned the business and learned the, uh, The kind of the the background business, even though I didn't have a uh, a criminal justice degree, it's it's very straightforward. And then once the industry itself is kind of a revolving um, network of uh, of education and um, just the different people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, you really learn it. Uh, It's kind of a really neat industry where it's almost like a a self-contained. Uh, you know, the helix that just kind of keeps revolving. And uh, you do have people that come from a military background or a police background that are in it that do well. Um, but for me, for a business, I, that's how I jumped into it. And then um, when I joined the, the business, I actually decided to merge it with our parent company, security engineers. And then that's when we turned it into an investigative division firm. And we started doing uh, private investigations Uh, skip trace, you know, locate, social media profile. So taking the background screening, pre-employment screening, we turn that into doing more due diligence, uh, company profiles, um, uh, merger and acquisition type due diligence work. If a company's looking to uh, purchase another company, uh, they'll hire a firm like ourselves to kind of put together a background uh, of the entire company, including maybe players, investors involved, so we do that from kind of just the pure uh, background screening and then we also do uh, workman's cop and general liability type surveillance work so uh, we get hired by attorney's offices uh, defense attorneys that uh, if there's a workman's cop potential fraud or red flag uh, so we'll actually go and do days of surveillance on uh, these individuals and then you know we turn that uh, body of work and documentation and any footage that we've captured over to and then they can then decide if it's either a fraud or they'll deny their workman's comp claim and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's an interesting field. And uh, like I said, if I would have known in fifth grade that this is what I wanted to go wanted to do, I would have said, "Hey, sign me up!" And uh, it, it's a it's a great career, and I will definitely be doing this as, as as long as I can do it.
0: It's definitely like you said. It's definitely not one of the ones that are broadcasted by your high school counselors or or your teacher there telling you what job you should go into, we feel you good. That's definitely not one that comes up uh, much at all. There's, there's also a few others out there that they don't talk about because they don't know anything about them. But they don't understand, like you, you thrive in it and you're doing well. There might be someone out there that tries it and doesn't like it, but they like something about it that made them go that way. Uh, do you ever have any aspirations of starting your own different wing of
1: it on your own? You know, as a as a private investigator, you know there's a lot of people that get into private investigation work, and they they will do subcontracted work on their own to kind of um, that because um, you know in this in this industry you can kind of be in you can have a full career as an independent contractor where people just hire you, and we do hire 1099 type contractors to do work for us if we have something that's you know a little bit far away or in another state or something like that. We can ten ninety nine an uh, independent contractor uh, to hire them on. So I've thought about it, and um, I don't know if I'll ever start my own business. You know, a business itself, it, it's it's so hard to start from the bottom, not that it's impossible to do, but you know the the company that I work for is uh, it's an expanding business, and I could see myself if we ever wanted to uh, rebranch off the business and become a separate entity. Um, but I think, at my age and uh, how much I enjoy kind of the system that I'm in now, and you know we're we're all routine guys, like all of us military guys, we're all routine guys to kind of start something else. Uh, I could see doing it for the money, but I'm not really a money guy. I'm pretty comfortable. So, um, you know if the opportunity ever presented itself, I, I would keep my options open, but you know I'm pretty happy um, of just kind of how this industry is.
0: That's good, and that's what it's all about If You're happy you're every morning you wake up that you, you had that motivation to move forward, that means it's a good a good thing that you're doing. I mean, we have brothers out there that wake up and just grudge every day and say, I hate this, I'm not doing it. But they also didn't try to find that niche that they're they're good at, that there's something out there that they're good at. They just haven't found it
1: yet. Yeah, you know, that's what I struggled with, you know, kinda of going back to my story, you know, you know, that was, you know, when I decided in college to so before I even joined the military, you know, at nineteen years old, nobody has their stuff together to know what you're going to do and anybody that's listening, man, if you, no matter if you're 19 or, you know, 50, you know, if you're at a crossroads of not knowing what to do, uh, like you said, you know, there's, there is something out there. Don't be afraid to try stuff. Um, because that's kind of how it was for me. If, if I never would have, um, when the CEO approached me and said, you know, Hey, I know you don't know how to do this. Uh, You don't have a background in doing it. It's not like you have a police background, uh, investigator background. Like, how do you do this? Um, You know, take the chance, take that leap of faith. You know, a lot of guys, um, you know, when I talk to young guys nowadays, I'll talk to guys that want to join the military and they'll, you know, you know, as a veteran, they'll always ask you like, you know, Hey, you know, what about this? And, you know, the one piece of advice I always give people, I don't tell them the good and bad. I say, Find something that you can relate to to find a career in. And that still stands true today. Um, you know, I know it's harder for some of the infantry guys and stuff to, to really kind of find something, but this is the type of industry that I would encourage anybody that ever wants to take a chance, um, you know, guys that have a military background because of our mindset of such a routine um, and just the kind of the way that we carry ourselves, people that have a military background really thrive in this industry. So yeah, it's about taking a leap of faith, and I'm glad I did, um, because it's uh, it's one of those things that's really paid off.
0: It sounds like you you have a lot of passion for it, and you're really excited about it, and that's what it's all about. I when I got I retired in 2015, and after 22 years of doing what I, what my boots told me to do every day, it was hard to get that transition going. It took me about a year to find a job, and I landed a job I thought I would like, and I didn't like it. I stayed there for two years because so I didn't want to be a statistic because, you know, most veterans last about a year at their first job when they get out. So I said, I'll go two. And right at the two-year mark, I found a, a job, the job I'm in now that I love. And I'm right back, right back there training Joe, but I get to go home every night.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that they're. you know, I've seen a lot more of these uh, veteran-based kind of uh, systems. I know the VA does some stuff, but you you kind of see these like third-party systems that are, uh, popping up to really help veterans like reintegrate and stuff like that. and and those are great resources. Um, you know, like you said, you know, not being a statistic. I mean, it, it's it's hard for some people to make the transition back into civilian life as it is. but you know, really finding something that you know, scratches that itch, like I was talking about earlier, you know, not knowing where you want to go and what you want to do and how it translates. Um, you know, it, being, like you said, I, I really do have a passion for what I do. Every day is different. Um, getting up, uh, I have an excitement every single day. And, you know, finding that really does make the best day possible because, you know, it's the, the was it, the old adage of, you know, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. and And that's really right. how I feel. And I encourage anybody, you know, if you're not happy in your job, don't – society tells us what we should do. Uh, you know, hey, you know, you need to go work, you know, a sales job to make this much, sometimes you have to take a chance. If you're not happy at that sales job, you're just going to be miserable. And what fun, you, you, we get one shot at this crazy thing we call life. And, you know, especially for all the brothers and sisters out there, you know, we've, you know, we answered the call and getting back into civilian life, you know, we gave up a part of our lives to serve our country. So, it makes it even more sense to come home and really enjoy the rest of it. Right. You know, no matter if you were in for three years or, you know, 30 years, I mean, coming back and doing something you would really enjoy, it really does make a difference. I think too, and for quality of life as well.
0: Definitely quality of life. And that that's a major thing there. I uh, you know there's like, I know people who, who teach and they just run, they hate going in every day to deal with other people's children and deal with the the mouths of those kids at them but they do it because they think they have to because they that's what they know how to do but there's other things they can do and like you said find that purpose find that that uh, new that new uh that new point light that new target to get them going and i think that would help a lot of people get out of that rut that they're in
1: yeah and like you said too, find a purpose i mean that was another a big motivator for me background you know you know people that come through the foster care system You know, statistically speaking, especially in the '90s where I came through the foster care system in the '90s, a lot of kids that came through with the same background that I have, a lot of them ended up in jail uh, or on the streets. You know, they they didn't have a you know a, a support support system. You know, a lot of us that come to that system, you know, we 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 didn't have that, and so, you know, we I really had to learn to essentially make my own. Um, goalpost, if you will. And then every time I wanted to do something, I went and did it, you know, whether it be travel or job, like I had a don't say no attitude from everything from trying new food, going new places. Um, And I really had to carve that out because I didn't, I didn't have that. I, I didn't have the parents teaching me and stuff like that. And so I think that is what kind of created my fire of, like you said, finding the purpose uh, and it stays true today, even when I mentor you know people other people in my industry or or things that I'm involved in outside of uh, of my work is 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 encouraging. Uh, I'm not a motivational speaker i don't I don't pretend to be one, but I try to always give something to somebody else because you don't know what you don't know what track they're on. you don't like you said, you know there may, this may be a teacher that I come in contact with who's miserable and just kind of through my giving them a little bit of uh, keep your head up might change their life and give them a purpose. So I always try to do that, you know, just from being, um, you know, blessed in what I've been fortunate enough to have coming from what I came from. uh, You know, even if something is just telling somebody, you know, you know, do something, you know, take a leap of faith, you know, what's it going to hurt? I mean, what are you going to do fall? All you have to do is get back up again, you know, it's not going to hurt.
0: And that's what you're judged on how many times you get up, not how many times you fall. If you, if you keep getting up saying, I'll do it again. I'll try something else, then you're success in my book because that means you're not quitting. You're not exactly. making it a permanent solution to a temporary issue. You keep moving forward.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: I know right now it's you're in uh, Birmingham, see so you, you live in the heart of the enemy territory there for you being a UGA fan. I do know, you, I know. <laughs> do you fly a flag in front of your house or on your car?
1: You know, I have, uh, it's funny you say that because I uh, was in Tuscaloosa actually working a case this past weekend. And actually I was in Tuscaloosa this morning finishing up the case. Uh, yeah, everybody here in Alabama, you know, there's Auburn here, which is, it's not as big. Like you, there's so many more Alabama fans. I have flags, uh, friends that come into my house. My wife, actually, she's a, she's a, she paints. So she painted me like a big Georgia G mural uh in my man cave office. Uh so every chance I get I try to rub it in their face and uh, it's a little hard to do because you know Alabama's beat us the last couple of times in those big games. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to have bragging rights when we lost the way that we did in the national championship game, but you know, I still uh do it proudly and you know, I love being in Alabama sometimes because I do get to, you know, say UGA as much as I can. <laughs>
0: That's outstanding. Uh my niece like I told you she's uh doing her residency down there at UAB. Her husband also did his there. He's a UGA grad and she is a Auburn grad. So they're they're right there with you. He's out there with his UGA stuff all the time. And uh me and him got to sit next to each other at the UGA Notre Dame game. I'm a Notre Dame fan. And uh we hung out all day and then we sat in the game together and had a great time just watching a great football game.
1: That was such a good football game. My uh my wife's dad's a huge Notre Dame fan. Fan And he always goes up there for a couple games during the seasons. And we, we were watching that game at, uh, at his house up in Knoxville. And um, that was such a great game. Uh, you couldn't have, I mean, there was so many UGA fans there, but just game in general, just, it was such a good game and just for them to have you know, we don't get to play Notre Dame that often. So seeing Notre Dame being the powerhouse that they are, I'm a big Notre Dame fan just in the sense of how like they're, and then what do they play in like the independent, like they're classified independent. So when they get to play, yeah. So when they get to play these big SEC games and stuff, like they're always ranked high, especially in the last couple of years, but you always want to see them play in Alabama, you know, outside of a, you know, conference, you know, or a championship. You always want to see them have kind of that game and, so, uh, being that they were on the the schedule that year, I, that was such a great game.
0: And that was uh, that was my birthday present. It was uh, my first Notre Dame game in my life, and uh, I'll never forget it. I, I I still have the videos on my phone, and when they turned the house red right in the fourth quarter, the <laughs> the videos and me and him both standing there just having a great time.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. That was a good game. They um that I think that was one of the first games that UGA did that nighttime. Uh, lighting thing, too. I think that was, like, one of the big things. And I, I remember a lot of the Alabama fans are like, oh, we do that, too. And it's like, go away. <laughs> yeah, go away.
0: They always got to claim something. but
1: that's yeah. something. They always want to yeah. one-up you.
0: They have to. It's the only thing they have besides uh, their football team and everything else down there is crime.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Well, Kevin, how would someone get in contact with you if they want to use your services?
1: Yeah, so um, if you want to uh, – our services that we offer, you can go to ICABackgrounds.com. And then if you want to get in touch with me directly, uh, we do have a contact us button on there. Uh, Just put in your information and then uh, I'll get back to you um, and we can talk more about what type of services that we offer. I mean, we offer everything from pre-employment background screenings for your specific company, no matter if you're a, a small company to a large company uh, like I said, we do some of the the private investigation type work, um, but we what I try to do uh, is, is customize uh, every every type of order. So if if you're looking for any type of pre-employment or drug testing or anything like that, we do a lot of the uh, drug testing that we do nationwide, and and the work that we do is nationwide as well. So we're not just an Alabama-based. That's the nice thing about background screening is we use databases. Um, and it doesn't have to be specifically in the state of Alabama. So no matter where you are. So uh, ICA backgrounds with an S dot uh, com is where you can find us.
0: Awesome. And if you can give someone a bit of advice as they're moving forward to make that choice in their in their life uh, to make a career, what would it be?
1: Uh, be open minded. Take chances. Don't say no. Um, that is the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, no matter what point of life that you're in, whether it's you're starting off and you're trying to find what path you want to go on, or if you're somebody who's looking for a change of pace, you know, have an open mind and just don't say no. Take the leap of faith. That's that is all it takes. And uh, don't don't feel like you will, where you're at now. If you have that one itch of you're not comfortable, take the leap of faith, try something else, and I guarantee you it'll change your life. Because like I said, we get one shot at this crazy life we have. There's no sense to be, you know, if you have the itch, go ahead and scratch it because you may not get a chance to scratch it again.
0: Outstanding. That's great advice. Uh, Thanks for reaching out to me to come on, and I appreciate you taking your time to be on the show. And go dogs.
1: Go dogs. Thanks, Rich, again. Thanks for having me. That was great
0: chatting with Kevin, my Bastone brother. Thanks for sharing your story and keep us posted on your future successes. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on the Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... The Misfit Nation.